times you can't get uh alcoholic beverages on planes that's really sad because it i mean if i ever wanted to be drunk when on a plane it's now yeah yeah you don't want to be sober on a plane that's not acknowledged not right now not during covid the risks and the stress and yeah you also just can't drink because like you have to like you have to keep your mask on so i know i you can't even like put a straw through it it's impossible I know. It's really not fun. Well, um, should we start? <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I guess we could we could do this thing, this little show of ours. What's, uh, I don't even have an anecdote to wheel us in. Um, what can we talk about? What's, what's interesting? <laughs> nothing has been happening. There's nothing, nothing is going on. nothing interesting in my life. That's, uh, the, that's okay. the thing about quarantine is like there's nothing happening. Like, like, we don't else. have experiences. Yeah. So every day is the same. I had, like, and a Tom Sawyer moment. I painted the wall outside. That was very wholesome. I felt, I don't know. I think it's only a Tom S- Sawyer moment if you get somebody else to paint the wall outside. Well, you know what? Quarantine. So I couldn't even do that. Wow. What are you going to do? Taking even the simplest These pleasures. Days. Like, manipulating right? young children into painting your shit. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this is Exceedingly Persuasive. I'm Mackenzie Brennan, and I'm here on the Zoom call with my five head. I'm Brooke Rogers, and apparently I had nothing going on. So... <laughs> This is good. Nothing going for me. Welcome. Um, so we're we're kind of continuing the conversation from last week, which was about the uh, the insurrection on the Capitol, and the swift follow up to that that we're talking about this week that'll cover a lot of the same ground but new developments is the second impeachment of President Trump in the last week of his presidency. <laughs> Uh, it really is. These two episodes are the are encompassing the tweet. Um, I'm tired of reaping. I want to go back to the sewing for the GOP. Yeah. <laughs> they, last week we talked about the sewing. This week we're talking about the exactly. reaping. Um, reaping such as it is, because I, I don't know who wins here. Because even even the victory of like now his Wikipedia page has two impeachments, and the way that. I heard somebody on the news frame it is that half of the impeachments in U.S. presidential history are Trump's. That's nice, but it doesn't warm my yeah, heart. Yeah, that the same that way actually affects to. me personally not at all. So I, I, it's like it's kind of a hollow victory, right? Because on one yeah. hand, I guess symbolically it matters. But obviously, on the other the hand, first, like, it doesn't mean anything. So yeah, like know. we already impeached him once, and that did nothing. So yep. And here we are, like, almost a year to the day, right? Impeachment part two. Um, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's sick. I'm so glad to be doing this again. Actually, if you want to learn more, because we're not going to go through too much of the procedural stuff, because this obviously doesn't follow normal timelines, but uh, in the first impeachment era, we should do, like, 
BC and AD, like before coup and after coup. Before, like, before COVID and after COVID works too. Uh, yeah, honestly. there are a lot of different markers. But we do um, have an episode talking more about the procedural ins and outs of impeachment and what the impeachment is and what the conviction is and what has to be done, how it's different from a trial. Um, and we can link you to that that first episode from last year in our show notes in case you're super curious. You want to know something crazy, though, that I mm. was shocked to hear, to find what? out about? The last impeachment was over a year ago, which in my mind, somehow, it feels like six months ago. Really? Yeah. I mean, this year's been like that because I felt kind of simultaneously both ways, but anything but normal time progression feels like what it is because on the one hand, March of last year feels like last month. And then on the other hand, to me, the impeachment feels like two plus years ago. So, so I don't funny. know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, but like, I remember, I remember having discussions about, I remember like recording that episode about impeachment mm-hmm. and it feels like we did that six months ago. And I'm in just the like, studio what? Back no, oh, my God. Yeah. oh, that, right? that makes it different. Yeah. It just, yeah, we like have a different have, lifetime. When, remember when we could sit five feet from each other and in talk the same at space each other? where other people also did that with the same and microphone spit all over the Crazy. microphones. So so good. So yeah, I guess just total pivot. What we're going to talk about with this impeachment, because it's so um, atypical, even in a type of proceeding that has only happened four times before, which is the initial impeachment vote in the House. Um, But what we're going to do is frame both the impeachment and the article of impeachment that Trump was uh, charged with this time, and putting that in a First Amendment context. So why was what he said crossing the line? Um, And then looking at the protesters and when they kind of turned from free expression protesters into criminal rioters and how all that connects with uh, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do, what the president's allowed to do. Um, And then we're going to wrap it up with some predictions of what is going to happen when and if this actually goes to a Senate trial, and what's going to happen to the protesters when they try to go on Twitter and and similar websites. So so the second impeachment just uh, took place last week. The strange thing about this one is that, that differed from last time, is that they did pull over a few Republicans. Uh, It was not exactly over party lines. Yeah, um, the 10 Republicans... Uh, most of the names you won't recognize, but a couple of the big names. Uh, Liz Cheney of my home state of Wyoming. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I have nothing kind to say goes. about Cheney. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, uh, I saw this uh, tweet that um, said, finally, a Cheney will be involved in the successful regime change. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, I don't know, though, because I would argue that in terms of succeeding, GW Bush and Cheney did a lot of damage and they ended up uh they did a lot of regime change I don't know if any of them were successful the one Um, in this country (laughs) yeah they stole it from Gore (laughs) they nailed it they regime changed themselves into office office. (laughs) so I don't know so Uh, the other one Liz Cheney was one of them wasn't she the daughter of Dick Cheney and I think she was like uh minority leader like she had some 
uh, position of power. Maybe she was the House Judiciary Minority Leader. That she yeah. had some sort of uh, stature Title. that made that even more symbolic. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, I think, again, I mean, with all these people. Take it with many now, grains of salt. Now? Yeah, right. I know. And we talked like, about this in the last episode. That, like, why is this the line? And also... It apparently was the line for some time, and then uh, a lot of people kind of are swinging and fidgeting about that. And to me, it's kind of like, if you think insurrection is bad, there's no vacillating about it. Like, you can't be like, oh, but maybe it wasn't an insurrection. Like, that's not how it works. But Yeah. Uh, the I others were um, John Katko of New York, Adam Kissinger, I think it's pronounced, of Illinois, Fred Upton of Michigan, Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington State, Dan Newhouse of Washington State. Washington State just like coming in hot with these Republicans. Well, it's a lot of blue states, it's a, which makes sense. You know, New yeah. York, Oregon, or Washington rather. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Peter Meyer. It's M I M E I J E R. He actually replaced okay. Justin Amesh, the uh, former Republican so turned independent. That he um, would also be yeah, I think that he I think that he tends to be more middle of the road, but he is new. So okay. Tom Rice of South Carolina, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, and David Valadeo, I believe, of California. So those are the ten Republicans who Another voted to impeach. Yeah, the majority mm-hmm. of the states involved were blue or purple. Um so that probably has something to do with it as well. They yeah. are um have to consider that their uh voters are not going to be all you know, not uh, hard, hard right or, um, ex- yeah, or just like supportive of uh, the capital invasion in general. And might have um, even voted for Biden, which uh, is certainly not something that they would want to see overthrown as constituents. So. Yeah, they have, they have their seats to consider. So Liz Cheney is probably one of the only um, who genuinely, I, I, I know there's a lot of Trump support in Wyoming, um, I don't know what the opinion is of the majority of Wyomingites about the insurrection, but I know that they are a lot of there are a lot of hardcore Trump supporters there. So yeah, yeah. So it is kind of surprising that she voted to impeach, but I just don't feel like giving her props, so I'm not going to. And even that's, with what you were saying, <laughs> like even the 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 joke about um, regime change, like it's really weird for a Cheney to come out against the Republican Party in general, but to come out on an issue of, like, executive control. Um, yeah. That's really not in character. <laughs> the actual article of impeachment, article of impeachment, the, the count with which Trump was charged, was um, incitement of insurrection. So we are going to talk a little bit about why incitement to violence and this specific breed of violence being insurrection, why that's carved out of the First Amendment and why it is illegal, um, even though this is not a criminal criminal or civil proceeding. Um, impeachment is basically just a procedure for losing your job. Um, and the the subtext to that is also that if he whether or not it goes to the Senate and whether or not there's a conviction on the impeachment in the Senate, he still could be criminally or civilly liable for the same type of charges, like incitement right. of insurrection, which is a pretty big deal. So, Mackenzie, that raises the question. Mm-hmm. If we know he already did lose his job. So, but, a question true. that a lot of people might have, 
you know, just out there. Why bother? Why how, have an impeachment if he's already on his way out the door? Yeah, and I think that's a good question um, and one that they somewhat addressed in drafting the article of impeachment. Mm -hmm. So one big thing that I think is really important as somebody who knows this guy does not take no for an answer and is dangerous and has a following and is going to need a source of money um, in the very near future. Um, this, if he's convicted, so if the Senate votes to impeach him and they need two thirds, uh, so like a super majority of two thirds voting to convict on impeachment. So it's a tall order. But if he is convicted in the Senate, it means whether or not it's pre or post inauguration. So even if it's while Biden is in office, it means Trump can never hold a federal office again. Mm. So he can't run for president again. He can't be a congressman, a senator, um, or anything else that he might dream up. The other consequence that, um, as a taxpayer, I think all of us should be rooting for is that it would deprive him of his presidential pension and uh, things like a lifelong travel budget mm. and other things that presidents get, usually for Things like, um, you know, goodwill trips or diplomacy missions or campaigning for other candidates um, that he wouldn't get to use our money to make his little um, stump speeches anymore. Yeah, to feather his nest. <laughs> um, yeah, and just to expand on that a little bit, the government spends out $4 million a year in various perks and subsidies for mm. our four living ex-presidents, which to me, honestly... I don't think any I don't think any president should get a pension. What your your oh, job is done. You were you were in power for four years and now you've I already got a four oh one K set up? No. Get why are we why enough. are we why are we paying why are we still paying George W. Bush for anything? That's, that's a, my question. That's a really polarizing way to put it. And I, when you say it like that, I'm like, oh, damn, you're right. But <laughs> I want Thank a you. pension. What, like, I want a pension for my state government job. So I can't quite talk out of the other side of my mouth and be like, but someone doing more work for the federal government um, shouldn't get one. And I get one if I work for 10 years. So, like, maybe they could. Okay, but there's a couple. Okay, I have a couple feelings on this. First of all, yeah. most presidents after they leave office, have other sources of income. Obama has a Netflix show or whatever. <laughs> George W. Bush has his paintings. I, I much, okay, Brooke, that is not going to be a living wage. <laughs> they're okay, but they're not. Start a goddamn Patreon. Why are we paying your... No. And then the, and they have money from before. You can yeah. write books. You can do, you know, movie deals. There are like a thousand ways for presidents to make money. Are, are, are we really... You, what Do we think that they're going to be destitute post-presidency? What's no. that app? Cameo? Do Cameo. Yeah. If it's good enough for the guy who played Creed on The Office, it's good enough for hey, our former president. There, you can the do only a lot one worse I feel differently Creed. about is Jimmy Carter, a man well, that, that we was should the protect other thing. until like, death. Especially because he sold his peanut farm. I mean, this really <laughs> should not. Jimmy Carter anything. sold his peanut farm for us. Give to that man attention until the day he dies. Like to avoid violating the emoluments clause, and he's just been like quietly doing Habitat for Humanity since he lost the election. Which is like that's how he responded to losing the election. Was I'm gonna go do nonprofit work for the rest of my long ass life? So, he, he got injured. Give him a pension. He got injured uh, building a house like two years ago. In and the man 90s. is in his 90s. Yeah. And he was like, it like showed him like in this tiny chair. It was like a hammer and hard at, and he's just like, I, I can him. still work. 
<laughs> I know, and he will. Damn it! The, so, no, here's I, my here's my actual feelings. Here's my here's my new rule about this. Mm-hmm. We can pay certain ex presidents, but I get to pick them personally. I think that's a really good way of applying the Constitution too. Thank um, you. Yeah, I agree. No. So the, the I'm like I'm on the positive side of that assessment. I'm like okay, fine. Yeah, I'm and obviously, gonna, thank you. No, I don't want. I don't want to. No, other government workers. I I don't have time for that. I don't have time to just pick every other government worker. Is fine. Give the pension. I just want to pick presidents and maybe senators. I have time for that. I'll yeah, I mean, like, even the fact that, and now we're getting off track, but the fact that Jimmy Carter sold his peanut farm and that source of income to, like, just be super careful about not violating the emoluments clause, and Trump has just flouted every sort of financial conflict of interest and emoluments clause violation, and people just haven't really known how to say no. Yeah, why like, aren't we... Uh, not good with money. I don't he, want him to have gonna, more. Grifting is a great yes. post-presidential source of income. You know what? Obviously, he's, he's going to tap into. So he's gotten there with it before. So let's have him pull himself up by his bootstraps again. Yeah, he's just going to if That's he's allowed to continue and you know have a, a normal life post-presidency, he's just going to host events at Mar-a-Lago where people pay thousands of dollars a pop yeah, for access to get bed to bugs. To get bed bugs. So the the pension is uh, equal to the annual pay of a cabinet member, which is $221,000 in 2021. Starting six months after leaving office, there's a governmental allowance for an office staffing and equipment, as if on top of $200,000 a year, you need an allowance for an office staffing and equipment. What equipment? You're buying, like, a, what like what equipment do you need? Like a projector? I don't know. Yeah, do you need, night? like, a, a video camera? post-presidency what are you what are, we, what are we doing here um reimburse travel expenses of up to one million annually for the ex-president and up to two staffers spouses are allowed five hundred thousand dollars for travel so you're Which talking, is you like, know, we're just we're we were no. personally as taxpayers just paying for bill clinton to fly to jeffrey epstein's island that's what you're telling me i this is i this is new information to me and i don't well, like if he that. if he applied for reimbursement and it was like uh an air force one equivalent but we know that it wasn't because it was a private plane so i, I still don't like it i don't like that we were paying for whatever shoes he wore with the, with the, via the pension on, on lita express yeah on little saint james Okay, uh, lifetime security services provided by the Secret Service, health benefits through the government's federal employees' health benefit oh, program. Oh, they get insurance, huh? But only if they had five years of federal employment. Trump, like Jimmy Carter, would not qualify. Don't, Jimmy, Carter, Jimmy doesn't Carter doesn't get a health benefits. And honestly, to be fair, um, I don't know if things like that are on the chopping block. I just, I know that some of it is, yeah, there are a lot of perks to, um, I think the biggest one definitely for me is the not being able to hold federal office again. Um, And I think that that's the biggest risk of a post-Trump world, even if he does leave office. So that's, um, those are the stakes even. And then I think there's the symbolic stakes too, that I listened to a lot of the the oral argument such as it was, because again, like not a trial trial, but um and they have all the house members going to to make their their case and a lot of them are getting sound bites for the next campaign but um yeah, did you see argument- that, um someone one of the republicans who was talking at the impeachment had a mask with a, that said censored on it yes yes as she was it. talking on the floor so stupid you are literally nationally televised and it's oh my god <laughs> yeah but, but like but twitter won't let her tweet hashtag Yes, that is the government censorship. (laughs) The world deciding that you suck 
is not something that you have a right to be free of. Right. So an argument that a lot of the Republicans were making, which um, I can see making some sense, like it was one of the more rational arguments on its and like initial face was he's only in office for a week more. Um, why do we have to do this? And it's kind of the question that that you were preempting with, um, like, why bother if we don't need to remove him from office? But I think a big piece of it is the symbolic value, especially given that he's been impeached once already and is doing this up until the last minute. Mm. So to be a government that allows a president who's been voted out of office to stoke an insurrection and basically implement a riot that results in massive damage to the Capitol, uh, you know, a threat to democracy, mm-hmm. a lot of property damage and loss of life. There should be some sort of symbolic thing so that the next guy, potentially, uh, doesn't feel like that's an okay thing to do. Yeah, but on the same, by the same token, it's like, yeah, if you incite an insurrection that attacks the Capitol, uh, we'll impeach you in the House as long as the opposing party has control of the House and maybe the Senate, but only if there's majority. It's like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's not, like such it's a like, slap on the wrist. It's not, um, it's necessary, but not sufficient is kind of what I'm thinking. That like, mm. if we ever want to prevent this type of thing in future, we can't do nothing. So at least yeah. now we have the House piece of it. Um, it's not enough to prevent it for sure, obviously, but it's better than not doing it, yeah. in my opinion. So just to draw a line, because again, uh, one of the arguments that to me made a lot less sense, especially given that um, a fair amount of people in the House of Representatives are lawyers, so they should know better. <laughs> but I, I think they're just kind of performative statements anyways. But one of the the big Republican arguments was um, kind of this slippery slope free speech argument about like he was just, he has every right to advocate for himself. Um, He has a right to his opinion. He has a right to be upset that he lost. He has a right to the opinion that he didn't lose, which again, um, I wouldn't really call that an opinion at this point (laughs) because there are strong facts to back up the fact that he did lose um but sure. I mean, it's certainly an opinion but there are yeah there are opinions that are you know it is an incorrect fact yeah but it is it's, it's an opinion but it's just a wrong it's an incorrect one <laughs> i don't know yeah the factual basis for it is not there um and yeah obviously there's a line between um being a sore loser which would just be being an asshole and saying that you shouldn't have lost, et cetera, et cetera. And starting to question the framework of our democracy and the legitimacy of the results. And even there, uh, standing on its own, I don't think that questioning the results would have been enough to support um, an incitement of insurrection charge, whether it be in an impeachment setting or criminal or civil context, I don't think that enough that would be enough to to be an offense. But um, so, under the First Amendment, how we carve out incitement to violence from just like angry speech, which angry mm-hmm. speech is protected, just like we're allowed to criticize assholes on Twitter. Um, 
we are allowed to yell and scream and say things that are unpopular or say things that aren't that nice or that are a little bit obscene. Um, that's allowed. That's fine. But uh, what is not protected by the First Amendment is pro provoking a breach of the peace and inciting some direction to violence to a crowd that is positively responding to that incitement. And so the test for inciting speech from a case called Brandenburg is whether the speech and advocacy in the speech is directed to inciting imminent lawless behavior and is likely to incite it. So that's the test that we're applying here when we think about what Trump did and said and whether that was connected enough, whether that speech was connected enough to be considered inciting the insurrection. Um, and I, I tend to think, yeah, because obviously the strongest evidence that it had the capacity to incite violence is the fact that it did. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. the, the rioters went in and inside or committed a, a hell of a lot of violence against person and property. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the question is, um, whether or not you, and I mean the Royal you, you know, yeah. whether or not, whether or not anyone, um, who is looking at this reasonably believes that there would have been an insurrection, um, had Trump for the last two months yeah. not been, inflaming uh their anger and their and 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 sowing those lies since november because since the election day because not even inflaming because i think that you're you're more on the nose when you say like sowing those seeds because mm -hmm. i don't think without the initial comments from him there would have been something to inflame in this right same way. had he just accepted the results of the election and said um you know the conceded the night of the election as or after any president. recount you know yeah that there um, are some steps he could have taken even in that legal framework, right had but. he had he really thought that something janky had gone on and <laughs> demanded a recount but then you know had then you see the numbers once, once you know the first 10 courts kicked yeah, out his case right <laughs> um even if he had stopped within a reasonable amount of time and taken the l and conceded um, I think that it would not have it would not have gone to the degree that it did, and I and so the yeah the real question is without Trump the night of the election saying that he won, and then every day since then tweeting about how um, the election was stolen and the people's votes were thrown out and they were robbed of um, disenfranchised and that he, the, the election was robbed from him and them. <laughs> Had he not done that, would there have been an insurrection. I think that most reasonably minded people would say no, because that right. is a lot of them were pointing to like, no, look, like the election was still like, Trump. Trump they said, I, they said I was invited here. There was a clip that I just saw today of somebody saying the president of the United States invited us here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even connecting it, I think that there was a long chain of this type of messaging. And all of that is really important because it, it built it, and it yeah. encouraged. But in terms of the imminent threat, you can look at the speech the day before in which he encouraged Mike Pence to do what was not within his power to do. He said, we're going to march down there to the doors of the Capitol. We're going to take it yeah. back. Um, 22 hours before the uh, insurrection took place, he was tweeting about how the GOP cowards were refusing to stand up for him, but the people won't accept this. Right. The people won't accept 
this election being stolen from them, they will stand up, they will do something. So I think that if and you're looking at this them clearly, to down there. Yeah, everybody, yeah. This, and saying thousands are coming to yes. Washington. Like, look at look at the people Into who are coming to Washington to prove that yeah. they're not okay with the election being stolen. So, the, if I think if you're looking at this clearly, it's really hard to deny that um, they were, at the very least, encouraged, if not "quote unquote" incited to violence by. Yeah, because if you look at the um, kind of the the different tiers or not tiers, um, what am I thinking? The pieces, the like subsections of the standard that you have to hit for it to be um, unprotected inciting speech, you have directing the lawless act, and he directed that they not accept the result. They he directed mm-hmm. that this was not um, a legal election. He directed them to go down there um, on mass and on this date and see the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. And that's lawless, and we'll get into the list of, of federal crimes that the writers themselves broke, which is kind of connected to the fact that, like, it's connected to Trump's crime, too, because without them actually breaking the law, there wouldn't be the incitement to a lawless act. And then it's also, it stands alone in this, like, list of 12, this litany mm-hmm. of federal crimes. But so we have the lawless act, we have the direction, the very specific and repeated and the night before the direction to that lawless act. And then um, the last piece is the likelihood that it will produce that effect. And I think um, that's always going to be, people are going to argue, like, I had no idea that that they were going to do this. But if anybody knows that the crowd responding to your comments is going to act in accordance with what you're saying, it's Trump and Trump supporters. Like, they they've done this before um they've rioted at his behest before i remember the um the proud boys stand back and stand down whatever yeah yeah that was um during i believe one of the debates he had um mentioned them specifically he said like my proud boys or something the debater or the debate moderator had asked if he had any comment so kind of put him on the spot, do you support this happening in your name? And so he was kind of backed into a corner, but at that point commanded them as if they were his little militia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also and claim- saw and claimed them. Posting. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So, and they heard that loud and clear at the time. We saw that play out. They were like, yes, commander, like we will stand back and stand down awaiting your command. Like, Yeah, but so- we've also seen him direct, uh, direct people at, his rallies to like drag people out who were mm-hmm. like, protesting his rallies Punch people in the face seeing them do like fall through on that yes um so yeah he obviously knows that he has power over what his supporters do especially in large groups like that especially when he has them whipped into a frenzy like he does i i don't think anyone can deny that trump has a lot of charisma and he knows it and i think that um the 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 like sort of trance that he puts his supporters in at these rallies is very real. And um, so of course they are accountable for their actions, but I think that uh, again, it goes back to um, would this have happened had Trump not been um, basically advocating for it for the last few months. And also um, 
especially considering that the First Amendment carve out is for direction to a crowd that is positively responding, because there are actually more protections for dissenting speech, which kind of makes sense. It, it allows for things like protest and disagreement. Yeah. But when you're talking to a crowd of people with pitchforks who are ready to go and telling them to use those pitchforks, it's very different than saying, go use pitchforks to a crowd that's calm and disagreeing with you and not armed, you know? Yeah. To kind of make a metaphor out yeah, of that. Yeah, there is like, you have to consider the power that that speaker has over the behavior yeah, of who group. they're speaking to. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced in terms of him being guilty of that type of violation. Um, and honestly, this is the same analysis that will come up if he is charged and tried in any sort of criminal or civil context outside of it. Uh, you and I talked a little bit in the last episode, so folks can go back and check that out um, if they want to learn more about whether a self-pardon is possible, even though we are running out of time for him to do that as president. So it's looking less and less likely that he's going to try some sort of preemptive um, I'm pardoned from anything they're going to charge me with. Yeah. Even less likely it would work, but yeah, no, absolutely. And, and also his entire support system that is directly around him is falling apart. It's I believe Hope wilting. Hicks just resigned and she was, Hope Hicks was, um, uh, kind of a confidant of his. She's like a de facto daughter, but there's probably like there was, there was a little something. You know, he had some sort of, like, creepy, he gross feelings. He has a very... Trump has always had a, the type. an inclination toward attractive women and surrounding himself with them, and I think that Especially he Especially in his daughter's age group. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I think that he also just thinks they're more trustworthy or something, which is really funny to me, but whatever. I, he definitely I mean, values like, beauty and sees it as a virtue, and so yeah, I think that I, that's something to do with it, but, I mean... I, I would stop just, short of, of giving yeah. him credit for thinking anything about the mental acuity or merit. <laughs> but he, um, I think that he, I think that maybe he thinks we're too dumb. attractiveness, especially female attractiveness as a virtue, um, which I think he does, whether or not he's fully aware of it or not. Maybe he um, thinks we're less conniving because we're pretty and soft and stupider. Which is true. We are. That is true. Yeah. I've, I've never connived in my pretty young life. So <laughs> zero, um, zero conniving. And I won't start until I get saggy. That's when, that's when, you know, that's when, the that's man, when they move to man the woods. Set in. Yeah. That's when you go to the woods and you, um, start planning the downfall of everyone who have some uh, dignity, retire from yeah. society. So they don't have to see your terrible, uh, sagging face skin. Yeah. I think this is a good place to leap from the did Trump incite violence to Yes, he did, because here are the actual crimes that resulted from mm -hmm. um, his encouragement. And I wanted to touch on this also because I heard, you know, we're on Twitter, we're on the internet, we're filtering through a lot of different news sources, and sometimes um, people in my mom's generation, for example, because that's somebody who I'm privy to, but I think it probably applies to even more groups of people, um, they're stuck in an echo chamber of someone else's design oftentimes. So my mom, for example, the is algorithm. liberal leaning. Yeah, exactly. Like she's liberal leaning, but then you see only your friends from high school who never really grew out of a different form of conservatism and, and maybe racism who are from their hometown. And sometimes people will post something on Facebook that sounds like an okay like soundbite argument 
and you don't quite know how to address it. So one of those things that I heard a lot of people saying was, this is our building, like we're taxpayers, so the capital is our property and we have a right to go there, which um, is all very nice in a symbolic sense, but the fact is that, well, Brooke, I don't know if you've heard this said before, but we live in a society. We live in a what? We live in a, uh, a society. What is that? Well, we live in a society that is governed by laws and a social contract. And so we have this kind of give and take that we subject ourselves to the authority of those laws because uh, we get the benefits of living in the- It's a very baseline concept. I've never heard this term you're using. I don't know what you're talking about. You never even encountered society because you've been in the woods. You've been in Cheney country. I was, I was homeschooled. I've never lived in a society. Outside of society. So you know what? Maybe some of us don't live in a society. So for those of us who don't, <laughs> let me fill you in. Um, like this is an agreement that we have because if we didn't, then the first person who decided that they wanted to go on, you know, public property in a national park and burn it down because that's just how they're feeling that day, they ruin it for everybody else. So yes, there is this conceptual idea that um, as taxpayers, uh, we own a little bit of government property and we have a stake in public buildings and things like that, but that doesn't mean that you get to use your very, very tiny fraction of control, therefore, to destroy it or or break the laws or impede other people's access to it. So um, I took it upon myself last night to look into whether there were any federal crimes that were violated by actually going into the Capitol, which, you know, I assumed there would be some, but I came up with about 12 that um, the worst part is they, a lot of them apply to almost everybody who I saw in the Capitol. So it's not like, you know, this one applies here and here's an outlier situation that these are all overlapping federal crimes that were committed by these people. And and that is what distinguishes this from a free expression protest. It's what distinguishes this from like, I'm a taxpayer and I have a right to be in a government building because I'm a voter, which honestly, I bet a lot of these people didn't vote. I don't know. They probably voted for Trump, I'm guessing. They I feel bet, this strongly about but it. But there's always that faction of people who get really, really mad and want an excuse to be mad. But then it's like, do, do you even know what you're mad about? Did you even vote? And I bet you, you could find more than you wanted, than you would expect. At least a handful of them forgot that you had to register. I will mm-hmm. give you that. At mm-hmm. least a handful of them did. Or forgot to order 100%. the ballot if it was a mail-in thing. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so should we go through the list? Mackenzie, please read us the list of felonies. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing Vanna White arms. You can't see me because it's a, it's an auditory experience. Give us the list of felonies. (laughs) Please, please deliver the list. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Um, so number one, trespassing on a federal facility or entering restricted federal grounds without lawful authority to do so. Number two, entering a federal facility with intent to impede or disrupt the orderly conduct of government, business, or official functions. Number three, possession of a firearm in a federal facility. Number four, impeding entrance or exit of a federal facility. Number five, entering with intent to commit violence against person or property therein. Um, so everyone who had was carrying zip ties with them or had or yeah. was armed in any kind of way. Or broke windows or um, even like, like podium. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, uh, 
or like a piece of Nancy Pelosi's door, that there's like the additional federal crime of stealing mail, but then there's the taking something from a federal facility and entering with the intention. They're separate crimes, entering with the intention to commit a crime therein, and then the actual crime that you commit. Those are two separate things. Can you imagine committing like 10 felonies so you could take a piece of Nancy Pelosi's mail? And take like a dumbass photo at her desk and you're right here. I, that is the ultimate, I hope the retweets were worth it. <laughs> I really do. Um, and I bet they're going to get ratioed while they're at it. Um, but honestly, like there was a lot of damage to property where again, like if you're comparing it to something like uh, the Target at Atlantic Terminal during the BLM protests, that this, they got into Statuary Hall, which is where a lot of our country's great art is housed. Um, they damaged the frieze, so like the statue, um, like carved bas relief on top of the um, mm -hmm. pediment thingy on the outside of the building, which is called the Apotheosis of Democracy. And it's like, wow, guys, yeah. it's really beautiful. Ease off the of symbolism, would you? <laughs> I know, right? Like, you couldn't even write it because somebody would be like, this is heavy-handed, stop. Aaron Sorkin would think this was right. going too far. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they certainly uh, committed some damage uh, and entered with the intent to do bad things inside to people and property. Um, apparently they erected a, a gallows for Mike Pence, which begs the question, like, what are you doing Mike Pence. I mean, I, I heard, I heard a he, yeah, there's a video of a huge group of people saying like, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, as they're like wandering around aimlessly. Um, like, I'm not gonna go to bat for Mike Pence, but I do wonder when somebody's chanting in the president's name that you should be hanged, um, and then you still stand by that president. If that's not a re-examining your life moment. Right? We call, we call that a Ted picture. We call that a Ted Cruz phone moment. The like the sh shot of him just like on the phone phone making for Trump after Trump called his wife like an ugly oh. pig or something and he's just like sitting there. Like, look at yourself. Look that's, at yourself. That's that's, that's the really, reflection. Like I do wonder where a lot of these folks think their career is going next because I can't imagine um, I think I might have made this comparison last time, but it just keeps getting more and more relevant. And I was saying it to my cousin Alex when we were watching the, the debate yesterday. It's like every person who's dated a severely damaged, abusive person with the feeling like, but I can fix them. But like with me, it's different. They really care. And it's like, no, Trump does not care. He's not fixable. You're not different. He's going to shit on you too. And we saw this. You're not going to manic person. pixie dream girl Trump. No. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, this is not going to happen. Um, you're, you're not Zoe Deschanel. You can't do it. Like at this point, it's a fool me however many times shame on you situation because you saw mm -hmm. Mike Cohen go down, um, Roger Stone, even the ones that he like pardoned, pardoned later because they come simpering back. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve Bannon, Sean Spicer. You can like, there's so many people who like just kind of disappeared into the ether after. And Rudy Giuliani's. Um, there's a motion for him to be disbarred because he suggested trial by combat. Speak. <laughs> they stopped paying his lawyer's fees. The Trump administration stopped paying his... But... What? Okay, in this impeachment, he doesn't have his lawyers from his previous impeachment. I know. So the two top lawyers who are most likely to defend him are... You ready for this? There are two reoccurring characters on the show. Rudy Giuliani and Alan yeah. Dershowitz. Gross. 
Just, I mean, it's always a who's who of the gross. Because last time it was Ken Star. Are gonna be. I'm like, oh, God. Um, yeah, if Ken Star and Alan Dershowitz are the ones who come in batting for you, there's 100% That's a sign chance that you're on the wrong side of justice. That like, you've I been don't on know. Epstein's plane. <laughs> At the very least. That's where we you've had, you, you've, you've had drinks with both of them on Epstein's plane. Um, my cousin read off the number. I think it's something. It was like a $20,000 a day retainer that they were paying Rudy Giuliani and now have stopped paying. So he's even turning on his boy Rudy. Wow. Um, uh, $20,000 retainer and he couldn't get better hair dye? That's I mean, that's upsetting. You can't fault the man for sundowning. He's, re- <laughs> he's not in his right mind anymore. <laughs> I can absolutely fault him for not him for being the worst. Not doing the right thing and um, just buying a nice condo in Palm Beach to go sundown like- in like everybody else. Like every other New Yorker since the beginning of time. Um, like it's, a, it's it literally is a northeastern tradition. You start yeah. you start to forget your down names, to the sixth borough, and you buy a condo in West Palm Beach, and you take your wife down there, and you become swingers until it's great. I want to do that now. End of your days. Yeah, it sounds like a great time. Why why won't you? Why aren't you taking advantage of this, Rudy? Get Julian? out of here. I have that question with so many old Republicans like Mitch McConnell. It's like you have so much money, just stop bringing us down with you. Um, go die in peace buy a farm in greece and just go live there for the rest of your life why why do you cling with your shriveled little fingers to power go to the caymans get yourself a tax haven oh speaking of the world the world is your oyster it's cut it's literally made for you Mm -hmm. this world Um, exists and is cut out exactly for your and they probably hate you less than we do here so uh so where did we leave off? Oh, so we, we left off with uh, entering a federal facility with the intent to commit violence against person or property therein. Uh, now we're moving to number six, which is obstruction of law enforcement in carrying out their lawful duties. Um, <laughs> duties. It's funny because of poop. Um, I love that occasionally our minds just fully revert to that of 12-year-old boys in this podcast. <laughs> and even my body's starting to look like it. <laughs> Uh, it's fine. Uh, so then there also is a separate crime on top of the whole federal facility bouquet that has to do with the actual U.S. Capitol building specifically. So number seven is Capitol building specific if you enter with weapons or make a violent entry or commit disorderly conduct therein. So that can go Mm -hmm. on top of entering a federal facility, but then you're also entering the Capitol. Um, number eight is stealing or damaging federal property, which Obviously, we saw the the podium guy and the guy who took the plaque outside Pelosi's office and the mail. There's plenty of that nonsense. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, like, standing on the statue and, like, putting the Confederate flag yeah. or whatever he had in there and, they're like, taking photos. I feel like that kind of falls into that, too. To an extent. Oh, and it's art, too. So, like, you think of, especially the older stuff, how much preservation often has to go into protection of old art like i guarantee that art restoration folks were just like cringing up a storm to see people writing statues of you know gerald ford and stuff <laughs> or maybe that's also, not like, why? i just i think it's so like you again you get Ford-Nixon. in there and the first thing you do is you're like cool gotta I've ride that ford statue the inner chambers of the capitol building i'm gonna go hump this gerald ford mm. statue you want to take a photo of me my Please. boy <laughs> I gotta find my boy. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I hope it was worth it. But also, one other thing that 
my cousin pointed out when we were watching is like, it's like, it's, it's like flowers for Algernon because they all stayed inside the velvet ropes once they got inside. <laughs> like if you look at them filing in through the entry, nobody thought to like branch out. They so still really queued up. They're like, oh, we gotta, f yeah, we gotta, uh, which like just, pr like, these people are like, still like brain power bootlickers at their, Ooh. at their core. You know, they're or still they're like. not very creative, <laughs> we know. <laughs> like, no, man, it's, it's a, it's a line. You gotta, you okay. gotta get in the line. I can't. Ted's it's at the like, front. Is there a thing with like animals or babies where you can put like a tape line on the floor and see their, their level of critical thinking if they're willing to move outside of it? And... No, babies are pure chaos, man. They cannot yeah, be reined so in. These, yep. They're... So these are glorified babies. Um, and honestly, it's a blessing to us that they don't have more critical thought in terms of innovating beyond the lines. Um, yeah, imagine if they were smart. This could have gone really even worse. Imagine how bad this could have been if any of them had, like, they a plan. plan. I know. Um, with the level of, like, law enforcement complicity. Yeah. And lack of preparation. Yeah, it could have gone even worse. Oh, which reminds well, me, we're going to cut this out, but at the end we should read the thing from the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just remember that, too. Uh, yeah, we'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. Um, so number nine, we have public disturbance involving violent assemblages of more than three people, which causes an immediate danger or results in damage or injury to the property or person of any other individual. So obviously we have that, a lot of property damage, and, and this is kind of like the public disturbance group crime um, edition. Mm -hmm. All right, now we get into the good stuff. Now we're getting into the really deep mire. We got number 10, treason which is defined as levying war against the United States, um, which is uh, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, 11, rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof. And this is a good one because in addition to the potential bar of a conviction on the impeachment ground, so if, if he's convicted in the Senate, if you are convicted of this offense, um, which honestly is, is probably unlikely, but um, if Trump were charged with it and convicted of it, it also independently bars you from holding a government office again. So that's another route to potentially mm -hmm. uh, cover that base. And then our last one is <laughs> seditious conspiracy, which honestly, this definition is so on the nose that it, like, I, I don't know how you argue that it didn't happen on a number of counts. So two or more persons conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof. So a lot of different versions so like of that definition. A applies. lot of things within that statement fall under, yeah, yeah what happened. Yeah. Um, Especially because, again, in contrast to other violent moments in, in protests or, or actual riots, you have to, for a lot of these things, look at the purpose and the context. And so this was very, very unique in that it was trying to overthrow a legally conducted election mm -hmm. for president by entering the U.S. Capitol unlawfully. So to try to impede the, the Electoral College vote certification. So that's, right. that carries a lot of weight, my friends. <laughs> that's coming in at 12 federal crimes and 
like I said before, a lot of them apply in tandem to a yeah. lot of the people. So a, a lot of people who are currently being arrested for what happened at the Capitol are f- looking at a very long time in prison. If they're convicted of even, like, one of these, but yeah, a depending. lot of them, there's proof that they committed several, so, because they took yeah. photos of it and put it on their Instagram live. Right, or just, like, look directly at a camera like that. And, uh, like, smile US and pose. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean... There are varying sentence brackets, and it'll depend a lot on how judges want to handle it. I don't imagine that a lot of judges would be very sympathetic to these sorts of things. So yeah. you you see sentence brackets. I think the longest one that I saw related to one of these crimes was 20 years. I think that was one of the sedition-related ones. Yeah. But we're easily looking at double-digit year counts for some of the higher um, yeah. And it depends on whether or not they serve, if they are convicted of one or one or more, whether they, or two or more, whether they are, they, whether they serve um, consecutively or concurrently, mm-hmm. because if they... Yeah, and if they flip. I mean, there's yeah. also guilty plea. There are a lot of ways that it can get variable, but if somebody doesn't play ball, th- th- this is a very, very serious thing to be charged with even one of these crimes. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, what we're looking at uh, in the coming weeks. Um, that should be soothing. Should I? So the uh, one thing we wanted to touch on real quick was a message that we got. Um, so, you want to read the whole thing or just like touch on the gist of it? Um, I'll read. I'll read a portion of it for sure. Um, okay. The in our last episode we discussed how several um, active and former mil- members of the military and um, several police officers, off-duty police officers, had been. Um, among the uh, insurrectionists, and I believe several police officers were also arrested uh, mm-hmm. for their um, for complicit uh, for being complicit in the insurrection. Um, coordinate. Yeah, and at, at, in our last episode, we had kind of um, made a comment about like uh, I believe was it like of course of course there are members of the police force or military in the group. Um, we got a, a message from someone who, a veteran who served 12 years in the U.S. military, both in the Air Force and the Army, who wanted to kind of give a counter point, a point of view to that because um, she wanted to uh, point out that not everyone who is in the, the, there, there's a diverse set of views in the military, um, and and a lot of members of the military were. Um, really horrified by what happened at the Capitol. So I wanted to just read um, some of it. She said, um, I ser- I've served 12 years in the U.S. military, both in the Air Force and the Army. I can speak from experience that a vast majority of military members and military leaders personally feel as you do, that this riot was an abomination and an attack on democracy. As an organization, the military is categorically opposed to such acts. We are apolitical and our purpose is to protect democracy, not blatantly violate it as these rioters did. The military is a subsection of the U.S. population and as such a very small number of members, negligible when compared to the number of people serving, may have participated in this. This is not representative of the U.S. military as an organization or its members. Per the Uniform Code of Military Justice, any who did participate will suffer severe career-ending consequences for their involvement. So I, I wanted to read this mostly because I think that it was, it's really interesting to get the point of view of a veteran and someone who served. Um, 
And also because there are very different opinions among yeah, the, the military. Yeah, nothing, it's never worth painting any group of people with a broad brush as to those who make up the group. Um, I think that unfortunately there were a lot of folks who were either military or law enforcement affiliated who were at these protests. Um, and there actually is, it, I think it'll develop as time goes on, but um, I just heard today that there were some questions about whether there was some coordination with folks who were familiar with the inside of the Capitol and maybe were serving as National Guard or law enforcement inside mm -hmm. because it was clear that some of the rioters knew where to go for certain things, that the the highest ranking black member of the House of Representatives, for example, his unmarked office was a window that they coincidentally sought out and quote unquote coincidentally sought out and, mm -hmm. and smashed the window and broke in, which yeah. uh, suggested that there was some internal coordination. And obviously there are a lot of different bodies of law enforcement, especially um, in a place like DC that's under federal control. So there's more military involvement. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the interesting things that, uh, that, the listener in question, and we actually didn't ask her if we could use her name, so I don't want to use it. Um, and actually, for the same reason that I'm going to say, um, is that they, members of the military are not allowed to voice um, criticism publicly mm -hmm. of the commander in chief. So right. that kind of ties a lot Prevents of hands. Them. Yeah, from speaking yeah, in out. terms of, of making that dichotomy known. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's very tricky. Um, the only other asterisk that I wanted to add to it and that she and I actually spoke about was that um, the Uniform Code of, of Military Justice, the UCMJ, is, I think a lot of us are familiar with some of the failings in terms of uh, criminal justice within yeah. military settings. So, that comes up a lot because there is a pretty rampant problem of, of sexual abuse right. of um, especially context. women, but women and men within the military. Yeah. And they very, off, they very often do not find justice through the military uh, justice system. Right. So I, I always have a bit of a, a question and a, a worry that when these things may look cut and dried on paper, that the actual... Um, finding justice may not happen as intuitively yeah. as, as we'd like it to. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we certainly appreciated that. And if we came off flippant then, or if we ever do, um, please know that that's never our intention. Please reach out. And also um, hopefully take with a grain of salt that, that we were just, just as pissed and chaotic feeling as everybody was yeah. for whatever reason last yeah. week. So I think there were high yeah. tensions. No, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the, that comment was mostly just about, there have been um, instances, instances in the past um, where, um, you know, in, in situations like this, uh, military members or, or, you know, off-duty cops, former cops, things like that have been involved in situations like this, which is kind of why, where that comment came from of like, this, there is a precedent here that um, unfortunately, um, these systems and the way that they're structured can produce people who have this, this state of this, this, um, right. 
opinion and state of mind that's that's a more like right leaning or and it's not if we're looking at like a a theoretical venn diagram it does not mean that everybody who's in that group falls into that but it does mean yeah and that's why we wanted to read this message is to point out that's not true yeah but that when when we say that we more mean that it's it's kind of the opposite that it is not uncommon for people who are in that group to fall into the other circle um more consistently than you may see them falling outside that circle. So yeah. like comparing this to the the law enforcement and military response to uh, BLM protests this summer. Yeah, um, exactly. There's a different treatment. So uh, yeah, it, I think we can kind of breeze through. Um, Trump, since our last episode, got kicked off of Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which is great because and imagine- And Snapchat and YouTube. And Snapchat. And Pinterest. He really? Will, how will Trump be able to plan his dream wedding if he's banned from his Pinterest? His next wedding, yeah. Um, Melania. Where will successor. he save his? Where will he save his recipes on on vegan lasagna now? Um, but yeah, so that's. I think that's great. A lot of his um, more vocal and inciting supporters were also in the process of being removed. You know, I think this will be a long term process, and you also have seen some of them. I heard somebody say that some were on no-fly lists, but then I guess the TSA contested that a little bit because they said you would yeah. not be able to buy a ticket if you're on a no-fly list and that it's often that these are the same type of people who were refusing to wear a mask and putting up some fuss, so that's why they got removed from the flight. And a lot, I know that a lot of airlines um, have made the decision to uh, not sell them tickets. Yes. So there's and, like, it's not, like a no, it's not an official no fly list, but a lot yeah. of private airlines have decided that they, yeah, will, and that makes they sense. won't be able to fly. Because they obviously are inclined to um, mount armed rebellions on federal property. So I understand. <laughs> you can't trust someone who, uh, we, uh, you don't want to be sitting next to terrorism. someone on a flight. Yeah. Who, uh, and we when, don't like terrorism on airplanes as a general rule. Um, so yeah, it, <laughs> I did see somebody put it so succinctly and bitterly in saying, imagine thinking that Twitter is a right, but healthcare isn't. Because there's been a lot of you know similar First Amendment censorship yeah. sort of hullabaloo about people getting kicked off of social media sites that are mm-hmm. privately owned. It's not government censorship. Or being mad about, I heard so many cancel culture arguments being made on the floor of the House by Republicans. And um, whatever the hell cancel means at this point, I think it just means criticism um, that you don't have a right to be protected from people saying that you're an asshole or that something is bad or something is wrong or illegal. Um, Just like we said, angry speech in and of itself is protected. Um, Yeah. There's always so, going into the into the public square and mm-hmm, yelling through absolutely. a microphone. If you really want, if you really want to get it out box. of your system, um, yeah, just do Reach it the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. Walk into the middle of a uh, you know a park and start yelling. That's what I say. People love no that. No one can stop you from doing so, that legally. <laughs> You'll definitely make more friends, less yeah. criticism if you try that out. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's pretty much all I wanted to hit. Um, yeah, want to plug so. our our Patreon. We have a Patreon now. Uh, we do things on it. We do a bo- we have a released a bonus episode on Martin Screlly and his weird girlfriend. I guess she's the girlfriend mm. and he's the weird boyfriend. I'm gonna swap, she wishes. swap that. They might be yeah. both weird. I feel like they're both. I'm gonna go with that. I think that's uh, a fair assessment. 
And we're, we're probably going to do a Q&A. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a stream at some point. Middle we're, tier. Maybe after the inauguration. Maybe after we see what comes of that. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash exceedingly persuasive. And yeah. we'll put it in the... We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, you can find me at BKU Rogers on Twitter, at Brooke Angeline on Instagram. Mackenzie, handing this I off am, to you. I'm MKZ Joy Brennan. Wow, I forgot. <laughs> I'm MKZ Joy Brennan on Instagram and on Twitter. I am Get Me to a Nunnery with the number two, not the word. And uh, yeah, hit us up there. Um, also, I don't think there are any outstanding, but if you are a member of our Patreon and you haven't sent your address, um, we are looking to stalk you. <laughs> and if, if you're comfortable with it, send your address we via cards any of those now. contact routes so that we can send out your little card. And you if you're not on your fridge, it, that's totally fine. Yeah, we have like a card that we made just especially yeah. for you. It's got our photo on it and it's got a little note. And your name now. It's got your name on it. We're going to single signatures. white female you. You can so do, give us your you can do taxes now yeah. on us. All right. Well, stay safe in the next week. A couple of people really appreciated being reminded not to um, start a coup. So we'll renew that reminder, especially with the inauguration coming this week. No coup. Don't coup it up. Don't do it. Down. <laughs> All right. Stay, stay safe. Don't do it. Be smart. Don't commit a felony. Bye. Bye. Bye.